What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. My name is Neil Rule, the voice of the Golden Grizzlies. Of course, he is the coach, Greg Campy. Coach, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Neil. Just wish we were at RJ's, man. Missing those French fries. I wouldn't mind a Slim Jim either. <laughs> be, be better than the uh, the toast you're munching on right now, I guess. But yeah, usually we would be at RJ's Pub in Rochester Hills. And, and certainly, as you know, because of the COVID situation, uh, that is not possible. But we're, we're keeping an eye on that. That is certainly our goal to get back there and you know do it like the way that we normally do it but as we said we are brought to you by the Evans Law Group and and coach you know we we can jump right in and Horizon League play starts this weekend I know we'll spend a lot of time with that we always take your questions with the hashtag ask campy as well those are lining up as we get ready to go here Uh, but coach Michigan State on Sunday Get your thoughts. I, I thought you and I talked about this post game on, on the radio broadcast. Uh, there were some very good moments in that basketball game, and, and maybe the biggest one that jumped out to me was how you guys were able to answer a run, and, and that's really what what I walked away impressed with because Michigan State tried to land some some pretty bad body blows, but you guys bounced back and got the got the uh, horses back in the barn. Yeah, I, I I'm really pleased with that. The the thing after what you know. A lot of times, Neil, when we talk after a game, you know, it's all the, you know, the eye that you see during that game. And obviously, I have a lot of things to look at during a game. And uh, when I get a chance to watch the tape afterwards, I can change my mind on things. And But, you know, one of the things, the, the only thing I was disappointed in the game is we didn't get all the loose balls. And um, <laughs> that's that's something we've really done a great job of this year is we have attacked in that defense and we've been on the floor. I've told you numerous times we've been on the floor more in seven games than we have in two seasons combined. And, and we're playing with this great sense of freedom defensively that, that I really like. Um, and we just had too many 50, 50 balls in that game that could have made the difference that, that we didn't get now. Michigan State's a tough team, and they, they they try and win the 50-50 balls just like every coach wants his team to, to do that. Uh, very few can get them to do it on a consistent basis, and I, I thought that's what we were doing this year. And I'm not saying it's because of me, because I would tell you the last two or three years we haven't gotten any 50-50 balls. So I guess you could blame me for that then if you're going to give me credit or if you think I'm trying to take credit for that. I just – I just really like the way our team goes after loose balls. And, and we didn't really do that um, uh, uh, Sunday. And, you know, Michigan State's got a report about us, said a lot of things. But one of the things it said that I was very pleased with was that this team plays extremely hard and gets all the loose balls. So I'm sure they, they wanted to win that battle, and they did. And I think that was the difference in the game. Coach, one of the other things that, that really jumped out at me, I think we got our first true look at how great, not good, not how well they can play, how great that this backcourt can be. Uh, Rashad continued his momentum over from the Oklahoma State game. He pumped in 36 points at Breslin. That might not happen again this year. I, I doubt anybody's going to go in there and give Michigan State 36 points again. And then we saw Jalen Moore, who struggled in the first half, but circled the wagons in the second half and, and really showed how great this backcourt can be. Well, I wouldn't say, you know, I mean, I think to the naked eye, Jalen struggled in the first half from what we've seen. But I think what happened was he got frustrated. And I've tried to tell these guys all the time in practice and that, that you don't understand what a foul is until you play at Michigan State or some of the places we're going to play. And when you think you're getting fouled, (laughs) that's not going to get called in those buildings. And I think they really went after Jalen and manhandled him in the first half. And he didn't handle that well. He, he, he won foul calls. We know he gets to the line a lot, and he gets to the line because of his intelligence and the way he can draw a foul. He, he shot faked and got a guy in the air. They caught him for a travel. And, and I mean, it just it's, it's stuff that's not going to be called in a normal situation. And, and so he got frustrated with that. He turned the ball over three times in a row. Really, really hurt us in the first half. It really broke what we, we were doing. And I'm, I'm glad that that happened, though, because I, I can and my staff can coach all we want to coach. 
But when you're a gifted player, <coughs> you have to learn from, you know, playing. And you have to be in a situation, especially a situation like Michigan State, the number four team in the country, and you have to fail. And that's the only way you learn. I'll tell a quick story to bore, bore everybody. My son, my oldest son, was a very, very good baseball player. He went to the University of Cincinnati uh, on a baseball scholarship. And their coach, who to this day is a very good friend of mine, I, I have no nothing but great things to say about him. But if he ever asked me, I would tell him this story. And when Keith got there, you know, the coach told him on the first day of practice, he changed his batting uh, stance and is the way he swang hit the bat. Now, this, a, this was a kid that hit 412 in high school and probably higher than that in the summer. And so when Keith struggled his first year at Cincinnati to hit, who do you think Keith blamed? You know, he blamed his coach because the coach didn't let him fail. You know, the coach, the coach knew that this had to be changed. And for him to be great in the coach's mind, let's, let's ch make this change right now. And what I've found over the 40 some years I've done this is when you try and do those things, the kid's not, you're not going to win the kid over. So you, the kid's got to fail. And then when he fails, if he's, if he's really a good player and he really wants greatness, he will ask you. Or he will listen to you and say, yeah, you're right. You know, maybe I should. And I think my son would have changed his, had no problem changing in his batting stance and batting uh, hands, hands with the bat if he had failed first. But instead, when failure came, he wanted to blame someone. And so in Jalen's case, that's a long story, Neil, for, for our show. But it just I'm trying to be as articulate on this subject as I can. In Jalen's case, his second half was just outstanding but it's because I think at halftime he sat in that chair in there at halftime and and knew that he had really cost this team all the momentum all a lead all that kind of stuff and he he learned and he understood it and his, his he upped his game and he just got a hell of a lot better in the second half and we know what he can do because we see him in practice and we've seen him in other games. But I think now he himself is understanding what coaching is and what I'm trying to accomplish with him. And maybe some of the things I'm saying are true. And, and you know what? He's going to be able to get away with some of this stuff in the Horizon League because there's not six foot ten guys there to erase his mistakes or his, their team's mistakes. But he, does, he wants to play at the highest level. And he got to do that all preseason. And, man, I think he's learned. And in Rashad's case, Rashad's healthy. And, I mean, it's his third year. He's ready to, to blow up. And he's had a lot of greatness in his first two years. One year at Cleveland State is on the all-freshman team. And then last year for us, he was pretty damn good. And uh, now, you know, your junior and senior years are supposed to be your big years. And I think Rashad's ready for that. He was injured. And now that he's healthy, uh, he's playing with great confidence. He believes he can make any shot that anybody ever shot. And uh, that's a good thing. And, and, Coach, about that, too, because I've noticed this with Rashad, you see the confidence even growing for a guy that, you know, made almost 100 threes his freshman year when he was at Cleveland State. But you look at him, and his confidence continues to grow as a player. And, and he's to that point, Cam, where I think he's, he's dangerously confident to the other team, of course, dangerously confident. He thinks as soon as he steps inside half court, he, th he thinks he can make the shot from anywhere, and he can. And, and we've seen him, and we've seen him do it. And, and he made 10 threes at Oklahoma State, and he put in eight at, at the Breslin Center as well. I mean, he's got that Sean Respert range. I know a lot of folks out there remember Sean Respert. As soon as he got off the bus, man, he was in range. Well, I think one of the things that he did Saturday that I haven't seen, or Sunday, I keep mixing that up, that I have not seen from him is – they put 6'6 six, six Aaron Henry on him, and then they put 6'6 six, six Langford on him. And they were, they were going to – and then Gabe Brown. They were going to muscle him, beat him up, and defend him with length. Rookie hears something outside, so if, that, if you could hear Rookie uh, barking back there, I apologize for that. But 
I can't stop her. Well, rookie's a valuable contributor to the show, given what uh, what we we pontificate about from time to time. Right. So going back to Rashad, he took his first shot and it was deep and and he came and there was a break in the action and it was not a good shot. And he came over to me and he put his hand on his chest like my back. I go, no, Rashad. I said, understand what they're doing to you. They're going to put size on you. So I want you to take the ball to the basket. All right. And I want you to do it without shot faking, you know, rocker stepping, holding the ball for three seconds. I want you to catch and go. And that's not a strength for him. And he did it and he made a basket. And then he did it again and he passed it to somebody for a basket. And now they had a, they had a problem. Now, what are we going to do here? I've got these big guys on him, but if he's going to the rim, cause it's not in the sky report that he's going to the rim. And I think, then he buried one with a guy hanging all over him. And from that point on, you know, he, t- he took some bad shots, but I've never coached a great shooter that doesn't take bad shots. And, um, you know, my only answer to a bad shot is to Rashad or Bader or, or any of the great players, shooters that we've had, Hooper, is did we really need that one? You know, you're going to get, in Max Hooper's case, you got 253s. Did you really need that one? Rashad's shot 36 or 43s in the last two games. Did you really need that one? So I'm never going to be negative to him and say, don't, you know, he's earned the right and the respect to shoot it. And I don't ever want to break his confidence. He also, though, has to understand sometimes that 45-footer isn't really what we need at the moment. Um, But against Michigan State, it's hard to get a shot. So any shot he he could get was good. And and we did score 91 one points in the Breslin Center, which, you know, I think that that's not an easy thing to do. Even if you give up 300, it would be hard to give get 91. So I think he, he and Jalen were outstanding. The cast around them were good. Uh, a couple guys needed to play a little better for us to win, but they will. And coach, you look at it from that perspective as well. And when you break down analytics, and I know you're a big analytics guy, that game came in, what, 80, 81, 82 possessions, somewhere around there, somewhere in the low 80s as far as possessions go. There will not be a lot of teams that go into Breslin and are on the plus side of one per possession, taking that all throughout the season as well. I mean, there were a lot of things, Camp, that watching this team and the progression of this team that I think that you can justifiably be excited about because of what you talked about. When we go into Horizon League play coming up this Friday against UIC, uh, there are not the fixers. There's no 6'10", 6'11", athletic fixer at the rim, to, to, as you talked about, to, to help out on a mistake. If you guys execute to that level, you will get your baskets. Well, I think I think that no fan's going to look at 0-7 and think you're good. Um, and I think we have a question tonight about an 0-7 start I saw. I was Before I got on here, I right. looked at some of the questions. And I guess I'll speak more to it when we get to that question. But, um, Neil, I think we're pretty good. I really do. I, I think the Jalen Morris played seven Division One games. Trey Townsend, Micah Parrish have played seven Divi- Division One games. Um, those three guys are pretty important players on our team. And uh, of our top eight or nine guys, we're playing four freshmen, and we're playing five guys that have never played Division One basketball till this year. So whenever you do that, there's always going to be hesitation. Or, and, you know, I don't want to sit here and say, you know, we're going to go beat the hell out of this team or beat that team. But I, I will just tell you one thing Tom Izzo said to me after the game. Before the game, he said to me, he goes – I think you guys are going to be really good. And I go, Tom, I think we're, you know, sometime in the middle of December next year, I think this could be a team that could be as good as we've ever been, which is saying something. And he goes, no, he goes, I think you can do it this year. And then after the game, you know, his comment to me is don't wait till next year. You can do it this year. So whether he's, just being a friend and saying nice things or whether he's right, we're going to find out. But I, I really think we got a chance to be really good. We've got to develop in the post. We've got to find a way to score some baskets in the post. 
I do think in Horizon League play that we will score baskets at the rim more off dribble penetration than post. I'm not. I don't think that Chris Conway and Trey and uh, Yusuf are quite ready to really put their back to the basket and score. I think Oladapo can get us a few of those in the games, but his is more of a you know clear out dribble penetration spin move than it is a back to the old-fashioned back to the basket. And I just don't think our freshmen are ready that when we really need a basket to throw it in there and get one. And I don't think they will be this year. I hope I'm wrong. But I do think that we will be able to get, you know, because of the way we shoot the ball. And and there is a – can you believe that we're saying that now after that start we had? Um, 23% as a team for the first couple games, Cam. I'd never seen that before. Well, I – it's the COVID. I mean, I, I'm no telling doubt. no doubt. It's the, it, youth and the COVID combination. And it, you one, I at that point I was saying it's who we played too, but you're not going to play a better defense than we played Sunday. And, and we were 18 to 37 or something from the three. You know, we've had two straight games against two top 30 teams in this country. Uh, where we made 18 threes. And I think that's going to be the norm, not the exception. I think we're going to be a team that had not, we hadn't had the COVID thing and didn't play those first four games under those situations. I think we would have been a team that would have been in the top three or four in the country at the end of the year and and three pointers made per game. We're not going to be now because after the first four games, I think we were averaging four makes a game, you know, and now we've gone, I think we've gone, on 13, 18, 18, or something like that. And I, I think we're going to continue to see somewhere between 12 and 23s in a game. And so when you can do that, the scouting report of the other team is going to be to push out and run you off the three-point line, which is going to if, – if you help in the gaps and you run a guy off the three-point line and he gets in the gap, then the next guy's going to be open for the three if we pass the ball well. So if they're going to have to take people out of the gaps, which is going to allow a guy like Jalen Moore – to go by his guy and get all the way to the rim. And, you know, I think we're going to see that. We're seeing it now. The difference is, is at Michigan State and, and Oklahoma State and Michigan, there's a guy 6'10 or 6'9 over there that's more athletic than anybody will ever see come flying out of nowhere and get a hand on that or, or, or contest it and cause it to miss. Where I think in our league we'll be able to just lay it in. Um, there'll be some shots blocked, but – on, a, on the whole, I think we'll be able to lay it in. So that's where I think we'll get our easy baskets. You know, there, there, there's two major concerns that I have going forward, and that's it. And if we can fix those two concerns, I think we're going to have a, a, a very, very, very exciting time this year. We'll take our first break. When we come back, Coach, there was a little bit of breaking news out of the Horizon League that we got just within the last hour. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that, and it ties in nicely to one of the Ask Campy questions we have. So we'll kind of two birds with one stone. That one coming up a little bit after 7.30. We'll get to all your hashtag Ask Campy questions. Real simple. Want to be involved with the show? Send us a tweet with the hashtag Ask Campy on the end of it. We'll get to them all. Coach coach isn't hiding from anything, so he'll, uh, he'll answer all those questions all the time. And remember, anytime throughout the week, something pops in your head fired off there and and we'll get to it on whatever episode of the Greg Campy show we're getting to so we'll take a break come back uh, get to some of those questions and we'll get it rolling here we'll talk Horizon League basketball a little bit later on in the show as well all that and more you're listening to the Greg Campy show brought to you by the Evans Law Group you win last night in poker did well, you win? Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. He is Coach Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Happy to have you with us. Usually we'll be at RJ's Pub, and hopefully uh, we'll be working our way back towards that. We'll, we'll talk about that later, Camp, we, <laughs> as, a, as a matter of fact. But, uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, we, we always take your questions on Twitter with the hashtag AskCampy. Uh, fire away anytime you want. But this is relevant. I wanted to get to this one especially because it ties into some news that the Horizon League just broke uh, roughly about an hour ago. Uh, Cleveland State and Robert Morris, uh, their games on December 19th and 20th uh, have been canceled. And, you know, obviously the, the COVID situation is rearing its ugly head. And 
Coach, you know, as far as that scenario goes, because we did get a, a hashtag Ask Campy question from our good friend MDFun89 that wanted to know, if for some reason you're not able to play due to COVID-19, say a pair of conference games, would you be able to facilitate that with a non-conference game? So I guess, like, take that and run with it and just kind of expand how what kind of impact that would have and what you would be allowed to do. Well, here, here's the rules within the Horizon League, and, and – you know, last week when <coughs> Coach K said what he said and I went through this long, blown-out thing about all these people that put so much time and effort into this, well, in the Horizon League, our league office has spent hundreds of hours on prepping for everything that could happen in the league. So here's the rule on that. On Tuesday and Monday, Cleveland State uh, had to make a decision because – their governor in the state of Ohio has decreed that if you go into a state um, that has, I believe, a higher than 15% uh, of their population is has COVID, then when you come back, you have to quarantine for two weeks. So if, you, if you're doing business in Pennsylvania, you have, now it's a recommendation. I don't believe it's a mandate, but I believe it's a recommendation. Well, Cleveland State is going to follow that recommendation because Pennsylvania is above 15%. This was on Tuesday um, in a meeting I was in. And uh, so they're, they're not, you know, if they go, they got quarantined for 14 days, means they don't get to practice and, and they can't play their next two weeks of league games. So they've decided not to go. Uh, and because of the recommendation from the governor's office, the league's got to accept that. Robert Morris has to accept it. So the games will be forfeited, not forfeited. I'm sorry, they will not be forfeited. They will be canceled. So Cleveland State will only play 18 league games as of right now, and Robert Morris will play 18. Now, the NCAA mandates that you have to get to 13 games, else you're not eligible for the NCAA tournament. So knowing that, the league, because if what happens if Cleveland State is out for, you know, and can't play 13 games in the league, uh, They've allowed the teams in the league, if a game is canceled on the weekends, you have until 5 o'clock on Wednesday, and that's why this release came out at 5 o'clock on Wednesday. You have until 5 o'clock on Wednesday to do everything you can to play those games, to see if anything changes, if the percentage rate went down, what happened that day in Pennsylvania, those types of things. If you don't if at five o'clock on Wednesday, it is decreed that you will not play the game. You then have the next 48 hours to try and replace those games with non-league games. You could play one or two games. We have a rule in the league. You cannot play a non-league team, a non-conference game within five days of a conference game. The COVID, you know, could sit in you, you know, they say it's in your, in your nostrils and it starts to, get into your body and it could take up to five days to show. So that's why the doctors in our league have said you have at least five days prior. You have not, you can't play anybody and and you have to test three times in those five days. And if you're all negative and every, and then you can play your league game on Saturday and Sunday. And so that'll be consistent throughout the year that if a team loses their game on the weekend, they can get a non-league game as long as they're meeting the protocols. So I can't call up Rochester College and say, are you testing? No, we haven't tested. Well, I can't play you then. They're going to have to follow the three testing protocols that our league has as a minimum, the three PP, whatever, the, the, the expensive 99% sure one. You have to do that. So I could call up Toledo and say, hey, you need a game. Yeah, they, we need a game, too. Are you testing? Yeah, you got proof. Yeah, okay. You want, want to play at our place? You want to play at your place? Then we call the league office. Can we get officials who have tested and are negative? They say yes, and bam, we'll play Toledo on, on that Saturday or Sunday just to get games. Um, it's a race to 13, and it's everybody in the country is in a race to 13. And if you look at people's schedules right now, there's only one team in this country that's played seven games. That's Oakland. We, we played them all right away so that we could get them in and that we weren't worrying about getting to 13. Because the one thing I want to do is give my kids a chance to compete for the NCAA tournament. All we got to do is play six league games. If we get six league games in, we're eligible for the NCAA tournament. 
and then however the Horizon League is going to decide how the what team you know goes to the NCAA tournament, we'll be in that mix and have a chance. So to answer the question, yes, we would get a non-league game at all costs. You know, well, that's a bad way to put it at all costs because not at the cost of health and safety, but at all financial costs. Right, all basketball costs, all, all those right. kinds of things. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying with that. But, Coach, I mean, as, as far as that goes, so what you're saying is is the team, the potential team that, that you might want to play, they have to be up to date on their testing as well. So if it were, were an NAIA opponent, if it were a D2 opponent, they would have to be up to date on their on their testing protocol as as you guys have it with the basically the testing every other day. So – Mr. Fan out there, Mrs. Fan, Miss Fan, Miss. When you keep reading that these Division Twos and Division Threes are canceling their seasons, everybody's saying, oh, they think it's the smart thing to do. They think, you know, why isn't everybody up? No, they're canceling them because the smart thing to do is you have to test the play. Well, the P whatever test, the one we did today, the one that I was talking about, costs $100 a test. So if you've got 13 players and you test three times a week, that's $3,900 a week. You got that, that one quick today, play. Camp. Yeah, pretty good, huh? That's <laughs> why I said 13. I knew that. <laughs> I, I carried the three well. <laughs> um, so my point is, and we have 13, so I know what the costs are. Um, so... Division twos, how are they going? How are they going to pay for that? So they can't afford it. So they're canceling their seasons. They're not canceling their seasons because they're afraid this guy's going to get. No, they're canceling their seasons because they can't follow the protocol that is put in place. We will not play a non-D1 team unless they do the same testing we do, which in the state of Michigan means they get test six times a week. Until this governor's order goes away, you have to test six times a week to be able to play. And that's what we're doing. And we're doing it because it's the right thing to do, but we also want to play. The schools that are not playing, the 99.9999% of them are not playing because they cannot afford to play. They cannot afford to test, which means they cannot afford to play. And there you have it. And, and really, Camp, throughout this whole COVID situation, a lot of times when you hear that, when you hear those discussions, make no mistake, that's what it's about, it, it, the financial impact. And, and that just goes back to, to what we talked about before, right, about how big it was for Oakland to be on the court, how big it was to play all these games and to realize all that revenue, man, because that's what that's what a lot of this is. I mean, don't be fooled. It, it, it's, it's financial, man. That's, that's the world we live in right now. And, you know, I know fans out there that are saying you shouldn't be playing, you shouldn't be playing, you shouldn't risk this. Why should the – why should the basketball team be playing and, and Joe Average over here can't go to work? Well, here's the answer to you as a fan, because if we don't, we won't be here next year. All right. Or you'll, see us, or you'll see us in a whole different light where maybe we'll be playing Division three basketball or Division two basketball or, you know, non-scholarship, non only playing local games with a budget of $30,000 instead of $2.3 million. Um, that's what you're going to see. And you're, gonna, you're, you're seeing it across the country. There's at least 10 schools I know of that have just closed. I'm th- I mean, I'm not talking about athletics. I'm talking about the whole school. Right. Closed. And this pandemic has been a financial disaster for the world. It's just not higher education it's everything i i got friends that own bars they're done they're gone they have no you know that's the reality like that that is the reality i I saw yesterday where the food and beverage people in the state of michigan came out and said we're going to lose 33 percent of the bars and maybe 50 percent of the hotels will not be able to sustain even if we come back now we'll not be able to sustain i'm sure you know that's that probably a little bit of fake news because everybody's found out that if you blast these things on Twitter and things like that, people believe it. Um, but there is a reality to it and, and the money is a reality to it. So for, if you're out there and you're an Oakland fan and you're saying, Hey, you shouldn't be playing. That's fine. You have your opinion, but understand you'll never see us in this form again. If we don't. 
And there you have it. And we'll take our next break when we come back. Speaking of Twitter, Coach, that's a great segue, man. you got a future in this broadcasting game. Uh, we will get to your questions on Twitter with the hashtag AskCampy. Uh, we'll talk Horizon League in just a little bit as well. It's not too late. Hurry up. Get those last-second questions in. Just tweet with the hashtag AskCampy. We'll be right back with more. You're listening to The Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. My name is Neil Rule, the voice of the Golden Grizzlies, and he is a coach, uh, Greg Campy. Katie Vantine back in our, our Real Team Real Estate Studios. Happy to have her along for the ride as well. Katie's actually doing uh, our last event for us here tonight. She's moving over to a, a full-time role with the Mojo Show in the morning. So, Camp, you know, the, the Greg Campy Show, it, it really is your springboard to stardom. Yeah, that's a good show, too. She's, she is moving up in the world, man. Congratulations. <laughs> Ditching the Greg Campy show and uh, jumping on board uh, with Mojo. So uh, let's get to it. Hashtag Ask Campy. Your questions on Twitter. I had one just come in just a couple seconds ago from at Oakland U fan. Says, Coach, with athletes getting an extra year of eligibility, will universities get extra scholarships to accommodate for players that are seniors and want to play another year? How will this work? No. The answer to that is a resounding no. Here, here's what, here's what the rule will be. Each one of these guys and gals in all the sports will be deemed a red shirt. So that means after their fourth season, they will be granted a fifth season. They may not want that fifth season, and coaches may not, not want them to have the fifth season. Obviously, a kid on our team that's not playing, and we get him through his four years and graduated, and we've kept our commitment to him to do that, um, he will not get a fifth year, you know, if he's not playing basketball. He's not going to be, a, you know, but what we'll do is we'll walk him through the process the whole time and we'll, I'll let him know going down through it. You know, you've got this extra year. You're not going to play here. We're going to let you stay and get your degree and finish your fourth year. But you may be able to go find a place you can play right now where you get, you know, your extra year there. And, and it's all going to be up to you. You can stay and show me, prove me wrong. You can agree with me and go, or you can just stay and keep your scholarship and know you're not going to play, but you won't get the fifth year. Or the conversation is going to be, Hey, Jalen Moore, we got three years now. All right. Now where the, where the tough thing comes in is the senior, the guy or the gal who is a senior this year. So they have given us the right since we have one senior, if you had three seniors, the NCAA would give you the right next year to have 17, 16 scholars. You're allowed 13. So we have one. So we would have a right next year to have 14 scholarships for just that one year. The team that had three seniors would have the right for just that one year to have 16 scholarships. That doesn't mean that Oakland University is going to give me in my budget 14 scholarships. That doesn't mean that if Jeff Tungate has four seniors, they're going to give him, they got 15 at the women's, they're going to give him 19. You know, the, the financial impact of that would be huge across the board in our athletic department if you take every sports seniors, because there's probably 50 some seniors. And now you add 50 scholarships. Oh, there probably aren't 50 that are on full scholarships, but some type of scholarship. If you take our athletic department budget and then all of a sudden you add 25 more scholarships, people know what it costs for a year of college. You know, the chances of an Oakland being able to do that, the chances of Stanford being able to do that are slim and none. I mean, Stanford just cut 13 sports. So with what we're going through across the nation uh, financially, who knows what's going to happen? But the NCAA has put it on each member institution. So Oakland University will sit down at the end of the year. We'll look at the seniors and we'll say, these seniors that are coming back in all the sports, can we fund it or can't we? You know, and 
we're not going to raise tuition <laughs> to fund it. So, you know, oh, the basketball team needs to go play a couple guarantee games. Maybe that'll help fund it, you know. So that's why we're playing these damn games, people. Well, right. And that's and again, it just goes back to what, what I talked about earlier. I mean, this this is the financial reality of, of the situation. It, it's it's the harsh reality, as I sometimes say, the grim reality of it all. I mean, that's that's where we're at. I mean, that there's no other way to explain that. More questions with the hashtag AskCampy. We got a special one here. I'm going to get to this one first, then we're going to get to the special one that just came in. You know that you, I know you're excited for this one, Camp. But uh, uh, let's go to Matt from the Horizon Roundtable. He, Matt wants to know: Is there any chance we'll see a change in the rotation or minute allotment getting into Horizon League play? It seems like Kevin Kangu's been great in his limited minutes, while other guards are struggling to do things like defend or make shots. It seems that Kevin Kangu has been great. Has been great in his limited time, while other guards are struggling to do things like defend or make shots. And what does it, it seems to him, to this guy, it seems that way, or it seems to the world, or what does that mean, it seems? I guess it would be that it in seems other words, to him. In other words, in his mind, Kangu should be playing? I, I guess that's what I gather. Okay. Um, no, you're not going to see a change in the rotation. Um, I have what I say, I believe, we have five perimeter players that I believe in right now in uh, Kangu Lampman Moore Phillips or Phillips not Rash- Rashad Phillips he played for Detroit a long time ago Rashad Williams and Zion Young those five players I believe in Micah plays the perimeter in the zone is a sixth guy so I have six guys that I believe in that we can win with, and I will determine the minutes of those six guys based on, one, how they're playing, to, and not how it seems they're playing, by how they're playing, two, by the matchups, and three, by amount of minutes that they get, are they too many? Are they not enough? I played Jalen and Rashad over 30 minutes against Michigan State. That was probably right on the threshold of where I want to keep them. There's no – eventually, you know, Jalen looks like he's one of those K Felder-type guys. I've always played my top players 37, 38 minutes a game, always have. I don't need to do that with this team because um, – there's five guys I just told you can play the perimeter, six counting Mike, although I, I, I don't put him in that group. I'm, I'm look, when I look at that, I'm talking offensively. The scores, the scores on this team are in those five. I think all five of those guys could score 20 points in a given night. I think Kangu, Kangu is definitely somebody who, you know, he, he had a great last minute against Michigan State. And if he could shoot the ball with that kind of confidence all the time, I think he would get a lot of minutes. But – um, you know, the, the the shooting, the numbers and stats in the first four games to me, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, we just – you throw that out the window. I have a stat on every shot every kid's taken in practice in, in veterans' cases since they've been here. I also look at the plus-minus and the plus-minus of what happens when they're on the floor. For example – the Michigan game. In the Michigan game, there were only two people on our team. The game we lost by 10 in overtime. When the game was over, there were only two people on the team that had a plus. One played 25 minutes and one played four minutes. I'm not sure that in four minutes, the plus is going to really even out. It, it, if you play four minutes and the plus is on the plus side, that means, well, I'll give you an example. In the Purdue game, Yusuf in the first, Yusuf played three minutes in the first half, and his his plus minus was minus fourteen, I think, in the first half. Now Yusuf missed three shots and turned the ball over twice, and he had a lot to do with it being a minus fourteen. The guys he played with, who might have only played, they didn't have a lot to do with it during that time. You just had a bad three minutes, and, you know, we watched it on film. He learned from it. It's going to make him a better player. It's a kid that I really believe in. It's going to be a great player for us. Um, 
But so you could play four minutes and get stuck in that vacuum. I think for the plus minus to really show during a game, you got to play a minimum of 10 minutes for me to really believe in the plus minus for that particular game. But we, but so we had one guy that played more than 10 minutes that had a plus in that game. And it was Blake Lampman. So what does that mean? He didn't shoot the ball well in that game, but while he was on the floor, we were plus one in the Michigan game. And I think he played, I'd have to look it up, but 28 minutes, 32 minutes, something like it was an overtime. So 45 minutes. So he was the only guy on the team that was a plus one. Now, do you step back and say, Oh, I should play Blake Lampman because he's a plus one and Jalen Moore shouldn't have played at all. You know, well, if Jalen Moore doesn't play in that game, we're a minus 80 by the, you know, the whole team. So <laughs> right. You have to, you have to look at those numbers. You just don't say, Oh, Blake's a plus one. He's got to play. But it is a metric that you use in making decisions, and there's more to it than just who scored the points and the jump shot, who made a shot, and who didn't. And trust me, I would never play a guy or not play a guy on it seems to that this is what's going on because I know what's going on. I'm there every day. I watch the film. And it's charted four it's million charted. times every possession and everything that happened. I know how many times that Dan Oladapo scratches his elbow during the course of a game. That's how intricate we are with everything out there. So does that mean I always play the right guys at the right time? No, because there's human nature in this too. There's 40-some years of coaching where you think, you know, you feel there's a gut feeling, too, on who should be on the floor and who, who doesn't. And I make a lot of mistakes. I do. But I think most every coach does. Maybe not as many as I do, but I make a lot of mistakes. All right, Camp, we got, we got four more that I need to get to in about three minutes, so let's rapid-fire these ones, okay? We got, we got a couple here uh, from Horizon Boy on Twitter, and this is a, this is a two-parter. We'll rapid-fire this one. Coach, are you planning to rock any special holiday sweaters on the sidelines in Chicago this weekend? No, we're not doing the Christmas sweater this year. No fans, no reason to. And in the alternate, have you already determined your Portillo's order, or do you feel that one in the moment? No, uh, my ordering of Portillo, Portillo's is much different than my selecting of players to play. So when I walk into a Portillo's, they know me and they know what I'm getting. And it's a big beef dipped with hot peppers. It's the French fries with cheese sauce. And it's one Chicago style hot dog. No relish. It's there waiting for me. <laughs> Absolutely. You are a pro when you walk into that element. There's no doubt about it. You addressed this one a little bit earlier, but uh, Wesley V tweets at us, when you get into league play, are hoping for any certain distribution between perimeter and post play? Will a re reliable post player emerge this year? Which you touched on a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I said that earlier. I don't think – I mean, Dan Oladapo is a reliable player, and he's a, he's a quote post player, but he's not a classic throw-it-on-the-block post player. He's a – catch the ball, face you up, and drive you post player. Um, but, no, I, I, I have no belief that by the end of this year, Yusuf Jihad or Chris Conway will be reliable, throw it in there, Keith Benson, Xavier Hill Mays type players. I believe both will be in their careers. I believe Brad Brechting was a reliable player to throw it into the post last year as a freshman, neither he or Xavier were reliable players. Keith Benson, the 40, the 38th pick in the draft was not a reliable player his freshman year to throw the ball into. It's our job to develop them into that. They have the talent to do it. And both Yusuf and Chris are two of the greatest kids I've ever met. And I know they want to do it. So I, I have strong belief in them. All right. Final one here where we are late for the break, but uh, Tony Paul tweets at us coach and says, Greg, why do you bet so many chips when you have the best hand? Do you not like to win chips? We were talking poker earlier. Um, right. And, and, and what Tony's got to understand is somebody in the, at that table's got to be different. And somebody's got to be criticized. And since that's what I do for a living, try to be different and get criticized, I want to do it on the poker table too, Neil. Well, there you, there, <laughs> there you have it. 
Uh, he also let me know, he said, Robert Morris scheduled Bowling Green at Robert Morris with a, with a question mark. That's kind of weird, huh? Like I said, it is a recommendation. It is not a mandate. And so every school has their legal force and their legal team, and they choose to go by the guidelines that they believe. And Cleveland State's legal team and their guidelines are going by that. That doesn't mean anybody else is, but I applaud Cleveland State for it. All right, we'll take our final break. When we come back, uh, Horizon League plays getting going. We'll be headed to Chicago this weekend, back-to-back uh, style. As far as league games go, I want to get coaches' thoughts on that, how we think that will all play out. we got a lot to get to. Not a lot of time to get to it, but the uh, the media poker game made its debut here on the Greg Campy Show. I'm, I'm excited about that. We'll, we'll try to explain, expand that uh, as, as, the, as the season rolls on. Our final segment coming up next is the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Final few moments of the show. We did have one uh, Ask Campy tweet that I that I did not get to, that I certainly did mean to get to. So James asked us on Twitter, Coach. He said, uh, "How is the season so far?" And, and you know, we we've talked about you know people on social media, and there's critics and thing and things like that. I, I believe this was asked in a little bit of jest because the number attached to Oakland right now is 0 and 7. But I, you know, I, I think there's a there's a relative answer to that. So how is the season going so far, Cam? I, I think it's. I think the question that I saw was because the guy put me in it too. Was uh, do you? How do you keep your team's confidence or something like that? Zero and seven, and and it's an easy answer. You know, this is what I told our team. You know, as we get ready for Rising League play, there are three hundred and sixty teams in this country, and. If all 360 teams had to go through what we did with the COVID and played the schedule that we played on the dates that we played them, probably 300 would be 0-7. So understand that. You've learned so much. You've grown so much as a team. We're so much better than we were. Don't forget the first game at halftime, we were down 53-12. to Let me say that again. The first game at halftime, we were down 53 to 12. So where you've come from there and what you've done, where you've gotten to play, who you've played on national TV, you've taken a top 25 team to overtime. You you gave Michigan State all they wanted. You gave Oklahoma State all they wanted. Yeah, we didn't win a game, but so what? In this year with what we went through with the COVID and all that, there's 300 other teams that would be – Exactly, zero and seven. So you want to change the narrative? You got twenty a twenty game league season to change the narrative, and I believe you will. I think you're a really good basketball team. We're young, we're learning. We're in, we're not young. We're inexperienced, and we're learning. And we've gone through the thing. And you know, over, overcoming adversity is the greatest gift that you can give anybody. And we've had the adversity. We see it. We'll see now if we can overcome it. So I feel pretty good right now at zero and seven. And the game's about guard play, and you guys are as good as anybody in the Horizon League at the guard spot. And, and speaking of the Horizon League, that gets going this weekend in Chicago, a building camp that I know you enjoy, and, and the program certainly has enjoyed as well. You've, you've won some games there. Uh, you've played very well there. Portillo's, you know, they, they were based there, so there's a lot of factors, a lot of wind at your back right there. But, Camp, I did want to ask you before we get out of here, uh, this little wrinkle that's going on with the, with the conference schedule this year, playing back-to-back games, two games in less than 24 hours. Uh, you don't know, I mean, other than like tournament, preseason tournament situations, you don't really know how this is going to shake out as far as a league season goes. I mean, give me your best guess, your educated guess. I don't know. No. Um, Tongate enjoyed it. You know, they, they won, and then they won big the second night. They won close, and then they won big. I, I would have guessed everybody would split. You know, I, I think you have to, to beat a team twice in two days. I think you have to be way better than they are. And uh, we're not going to be way better than a lot of teams in our conference this year. So I'm scared of it. And, uh, and I also think it, it takes a lot of adjustments out when you don't have time to make adjustments, you got, you know, no practice time and, and all verbal adjustments. And and what I've found with athletes today is they do not do well 
without visual instruction. And what I mean by that is it's very hard to draw something new up in a timeout and come up and see it get executed where 15, 20 years ago you could. And I, I just think that's the learning of today's youth. I, I, you know, you, you, you text, you play video games, you, you know, everything is visual to them and they need to see it. And I, I'm getting to the point in timeouts that I don't even try to do new stuff because it never works. It, it, it never gets through. Now, if I can show them on the practice floor and we can walk through it, I can show film of it. Hell yeah, it works. But just to sit there in a timeout, I don't know if I can keep their attention span long enough, uh, even though it's only a minute. And so I'm concerned about it. And that's just a personal, that's my personal opinion. And that's all it is. It, I, as I said earlier in the year, it's the right thing to do. From a safety standpoint, this is the best way and right thing to do. So we just got to learn and everybody's doing it. I do think it'll take some of our advantages away though. Coach, when you look at it, do you coach game? I know how you'll answer this because I've been around you for a decade now, but do you coach differently knowing that you have two games in, in 22 hours? I, is it, but I know you probably just want to get the win that you're involved with right now, and you'll deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. We're going to play the first night as if it's the Super Bowl, and then we'll try and figure out how to win the second one. Um, but we're, I'm going about we're playing one game. So that means to win that game, I play every kid 40 minutes. I'm going to play every kid 40 minutes. I'm going to try and get to W. Now, you don't get it, then you look foolish. But that's what they pay me for, to look foolish sometimes. You know, we're, gonna, we're going to try and win the first game every weekend. And then if, you, if we do, then we'll huddle up and we'll look at it and we'll say, okay, what, do, what can we do now to win the second one? And, you know, with our zone – we're going to – we've got a better chance to win the first game than we do the second game because nobody else is playing what we're playing. And so it's going to be new to everybody the first night. And then the second night, they've just played against it. And, uh, you know, so they'll be more comfortable. But a good thing of that is they won't have a lot of time to make an adjustment. You know, they'll watch the film and say, oh, this didn't work. But they're not going to have two days of practice to – put in what will work. They're going to have to do it on the fly. And if they have the same issues I do, that that could be hard. Well, Camp, the only place you look truly foolish is on the poker table, Camp. I can't confirm. So don't worry about that, man. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's what everybody says. <laughs> Although, yeah, to fair full disclosure, you did have a, a nice little winning streak going uh, up until a couple uh, nights ago. Since so. I won five of the last eight, I would say that's a pretty good winning streak. But it, it is. I didn't win last night, so that's it's all, that, what, all they care about. What is have that. you done for me lately, Cam? That's all they care about <laughs> is that last. All right, Coach. Appreciate your time here tonight. We'll be back at it next Wednesday for another edition of the Greg Campy Show. Big thank you to Katie Van Time back in our Real Team Real Estate Studios as well. She's off to the Mojo Show, so she's big time in us and she's out but certainly do appreciate her efforts this season as well and again remember you can tweet the show at any time just send out a tweet with the hashtag ask campy we'll get to them all week long chicago coming up saturday night we'll be on the air 6 30 on the real team real estate radio network for the coach greg campy my name is neil rule thanks for listening everybody well see you later